Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Well, this morning... Uh, I want to introduce to you, I would consider him my pastor, um, but he comes from what we call Grandma Church, so the original uh, bedrock, and uh, that's in Bedford, Virginia, and so Chris Dowd uh, is really my pastor, but he's a mentor, and he's also a friend, and uh, I am so, so, so excited for you to get to hear from Pastor Chris. He honestly helped shape my preaching, so if my preaching's bad, um, you can you can let Chris know. Um, <laughs> And what you could do is just write it on that comment card, and um, right here, just we'll connect with you, and we'll be sure to connect with him and let him know uh, what's going on. But honestly, I really do believe you're in for a treat. He shared a little bit of the message with me last night over dinner. We went to uh, the Columbia restaurant on St. Armand's. He said, I said, Pastor Chris, where do you want to go to eat? He's like, Florida, I think of like Colombian food, I think of that. And I was like, all right, I got the place. So he had a great Cuban sandwich last night. We had some hot bread. It was great. We, it was wonderful. So we had a good time together. Um, and then our staff is actually going on a staff retreat, leaving uh, this afternoon. And so I pray, ask that you'd pray for us as we go. Um, that we're looking for vision and refreshment and just getting ready to keep engaging. We have some really exciting things coming this year. Uh, that I think you're going to want to be a part of, that you're going to be excited about. So we're fine-tuning all of that. But Pastor Chris is actually going to come with us, and he's going to pour into our staff a little bit. So uh, would you do me a favor and just give Pastor Chris a big welcome as he comes on up? <laughs> I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to be in this room, uh, behind this pulpit, to see you looking back at me is an answer to prayer for a long, long time. We could not be more excited about what God is doing in and through Bedrock, Sarasota, with Blake and Kelsey and the team here. You need to know that there are elders in Bedford, Virginia, that are, that are on our faces every week praying for you guys. And uh, I'm so excited to not be on a Zoom call with Blake, but to be here in Sarasota uh, to see it. Uh, to pray on-site with Insight now. I've been taking pictures like crazy. I'm like a tourist. Uh, and I'm like, this is a bedrock church. And I'm like a tourist taking all these pictures and asking him where he got that banner from and uh, all kinds of good stuff. So I am thrilled to be here. But I'm also thrilled because I get to preach from the Word of God today. And so I, I want to I get quick beyond the welcome from bedrock and get straight to this. So if you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet, whatever you have, that, that you look at the Word of God with, get that out and be finding 2 Samuel chapter 10. We're going Old Testament today. Since we're the grandma church and I'm from the OG, fine, we will go Old Testament today. And I'm excited to share with you a little something from 2 Samuel. So while you're looking at that, the idea we're going to be talking about this morning is the concept of community and the fact that you and I have been designed for community. In fact, the church, including Bedrock Sarasota, is a people in community, in a specific community. So Bedrock Sarasota, you are to be a people, not this building, but a people in community in this specific community. Because you see, community is an interesting thing. Has anyone here ever seen the show Alone? 
You know what I'm talking about? If I say alone, a few. I am like addicted to this show. If you haven't seen it yet, then that's okay. It's this idea of they're going to drop 10 people off in the middle of nowhere with 10 items by themselves. They have to videotape themselves and they have to survive. And the last person who doesn't tap out wins like a bunch of money. It's a reality show. It's amazing to see these survivalist experts building these amazing cabins out of nothing and finding food and foraging and hunting and fishing and making fire. And you're just like, it's amazing what these people can come up with. Sometimes they go home uh, because tragedy happens or they get hurt or they get sick or they get pulled off. But sometimes they, they have a satellite phone. So whenever they want to tap out, they can call the satellite phone and say, I'm out. I can't take it anymore. Sometimes they tap out simply because they are alone. And they just get lonely. They miss family. They miss kids. They miss their wife. They miss their husband. And their cabin that they've built is extravagant with a fireplace. And they've got plenty of smoked fish hanging from the rafters. And they're good. The only thing that's not good is that they're alone. And so they call and say, come get me. I can't take it anymore. I mean, if you ever watched the movie, um, what was it with Tom Hanks? Castaway, right? Within days, he's talking to a volleyball, right? Like there's there's something there that you have to have Wilson in your life to survive when you're alone. There have been a number of studies about the psychological effects of long-term solitary confinement. Quick research says those that have long-term solitary confinement have, listen, I wrote this list down, visual and auditory hallucinations, hypersensitivity to noise and touch, insomnia and paranoia, uncontrollable feelings of rage and fear, distortions of time and perception, post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of you are like, that sounds like parenting, right? Like that is, <laughs> wait, wait, what, what study did you Google? Like, no, can't sleep and uncontrollable rage at times? Yeah, I get it, right? Yes. Like these are things that happen to us when we're alone because we're not designed to be alone. We're, we're designed for community, you see, God existed from eternity past in community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he designed man, Adam, the first man, to be in community with God. And they had this community, this fellowship between God and man. And then even in that scenario, God says, you know what, Adam, it's not good for you to be what? Alone. So I'm going to create a helper suitable for you. From man, he creates, whoa, man, right? That's, what are you going to call that? Whoa, man, that's what I'm going to call that. Why? For community. And then the fall happens. They choose self. They choose rebellion. They choose to do it their way, not God's way. Church, every time we do something my way, not God's way, that's rebellion, and the Bible calls that sin. And sin enters into the world. And community gets wrecked between man and God and between the family. And then we see all throughout the Old Testament how community relationships are now scarred and twisted and broken because of sin. But we were never designed for that. And so God then pursues his people, establishes Israel as my people and says, I'm going to walk with you. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God community relationship. And ultimately, this, this, this glorious culmination of this pursuit comes when God sends his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross 
according to the scriptures. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again according to the scriptures. Why? Because we need to be in community with the Father. And the only way, church, that you and I can have community, relationship, fellowship with the holy, holy, holy God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And through faith alone in him, now community can be reestablished. And now living that gospel out now begins to impact our community and our relationships with each other, you see. And ultimately, there's going to come a day when all the pain is gone and we have for eternity community with the Father and with each other. But until that day comes, we're going to struggle because we're still in this flesh. But he's given us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us and to remember that we're not designed to be alone. Paul Tripp wrote a book called Whiter Than Snow. And in his book, he wrote this. And so I wrote this down. I didn't make a slide for this, but here's what he says. We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving, humble interdependency with each other. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin, all the way back to the beginning, tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given to us. I know we don't know each other, but let me tell you something. You were designed for community. And if you're not involved in in biblical, authentic, transformational, gospel-centered community, don't be surprised that, that you're struggling with the obstacles that are in your life right now. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament. Oh, God, Grandma Church is here to share with you an example of this in 2 Samuel chapter 10. So before we dive in, we need to talk about context. Because again, here you go. This is preaching 101 from my, from my boy Blake. There are three, three crucial steps in hermeneutics. If you're going to get any passage right, you've got to get these three things right. You know what they are, Blake? Context, context, and context. Like it's a big deal. The story behind the story. Who you are looking back at me, I don't know the story behind that. If I'm going to really understand you, i got to know what's behind that face. You don't know me. I'm a guy that flew in here from Bedford, Virginia, who somehow knows Blake and Kelsey, and that's all we know about this guy. But you don't know the story behind, you don't know my context. So before we jump in, we got to understand the context. Here's the context. There was a king named Saul, and there was this little kid named David, and Saul didn't like David all that much. Saul was trying to kill little David. And he was running, and there was an Ammonite king who helped David escape from Saul. Years later, now David is the king. Saul no more, and David's the king. The Ammonite king who had helped him years prior had now passed away. And his son has taken over. So now the Ammonites have a new king. The son is in charge. So David, because of what the new king's father had done for him, decides to send a welcome party. So David says, hey, guys, uh, get the welcome basket out, get the fruit basket. 
I stayed at a great hotel here in town, and I was welcomed by a bag of stuff, trail mix and mints and bottled water. I'd literally walk down to the lobby. I don't know who did this. I literally walked down to the lobby, and I said, so there's stuff in the room? Like, is that complimentary? Like, what is that? Is there a charge for that? And the people in the lobby were like, uh, we bag? We didn't do a bag. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, excuse me, so sorry. So there was a Bedrock Sarasota welcome basket. I'm like, oh, look at this. It's awesome, right? So David's like, send the welcome basket. Get the pineapple. Get, send it to the new king just to kind of say, hey, welcome to the game. I'm David. I'm down the road. I'm a neighbor. Man, welcome, okay? Welcome party comes in to the Ammonite, new Ammonite king. And he's got some advisors, right? Kings have their advisors. And the advisors look at the new king and they're like, oh man, you're, you're crazy. You think David's sending you a pineapple? Like you think it's a welcome basket? There's a spy camera up in there somehow. They are spying out your mess. They're taking pictures. They're figuring out how to get into this place. This is not good. You need to handle your business. So he was like, well, I guess you guys are smarter than I am. Okay. So they rip half the beard off of these people, rip half of their clothes, the Bible says down to their buttocks, and kick them and send them home. They give them a good beating, rip off some clothes, rip off some beard, send them home. They come back to David, and David's like, whoa, hold on. What, what happened? Okay, King, seriously, we came in, we had the basket, we had the pineapple, we were like, what's up? And then they did this. <laughs> so David goes, Really? All right, all right, all right. Joab, commander of my army, come here. Why don't you take everybody and go say hello to the new king from David? How about that? Yes, sir. So here comes Joab and the army to now say hello to the new Ammonite king. Ammonite king, the new guy, catches word of this and says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, We have woken a giant. Yes, you have. He goes, we're in trouble. So he picks up the phone and starts calling all the other kings. Hey, I got problems. David's coming and he ain't happy. I need some help. Syrian king was like, all right, fine. I got you, but you're going to owe me. Great, no problem. So Syrian king sends his army. Ammonite king's got his army. And here we go. Has the table's been set, right? I've laid it out before you. There's the context. 2 Samuel chapter 10, Old Testament is awesome. Here we go. This is what it says in verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, here's what happens. They're pushing on Ammon, uh, Ammonite king, and as they're pushing in the field, guess who comes in behind them and flanks them? Syrian army. Uh-oh. We got a trouble sandwich. I got opposing army in front of me. I got trouble behind me. How many of you ever felt like trouble was all around? Like you can't get away from it. It's in front of you and it's behind you. Hmm. When Joab saw the battle was set against him in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. 
So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians had fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came back to Jerusalem. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dive into that text this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so very, very much for your word. It is perfect. It is inerrant. It is infallible because it is inspired. They are your words. And so, God, they carry authority in our life today. God, may we respond in obedience to what you would say to us through your word today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want to share with you about community is this. I need someone in my life who believes in me. What about you? I need somebody who's going to look at me and go, hang in there. You got this. Now, why do I say that? Again, go back to the text. The main idea for our passage comes from the text. The outline comes from the text. So look back at the Bible. In verse 9, when Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother. All of a sudden now, we're in a spot. We're in a spot. I got trouble in front of me. I got some trouble behind me. And Joab says, okay, Abishai, my brother, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you all these men, and I want you to lead them, and I want you to go get it. In this moment, he turned to Abishai and says, I believe in you. I need you to lead in this moment. I need you to step up. I need you to lead, and you can't do it. It's leading time, Abishai. I got to give you men. We're in a spot. I'm going to go this way. You got to go this way. But you got this. There's something about biblical community that I need people around me that remind me of my potential to move forward for the glory of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 There's a lot of one another's in the New Testament. I want to share some one another's with you as it relates to community. And this first point of someone who believes in you. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up just as you were doing. There's something about looking at somebody and encouraging them and building them up and saying, okay, okay, I know it's tough, but there's a lot around me. There's trouble in front of me. I've made some mistakes behind me. You don't understand the the devastation of what's behind me, of what people have done to me and mistakes that I've made. And what I've got out in front of me seems so immensely difficult to overcome that there's somebody in my life that says, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, slow down, take a breath. All right, listen, we're going to move forward together. Okay, and you got this. Somebody that can look at me and go, all right, it's time to go to battle. It's time to get active. It's time to move forward from where you're at. And you can do this, but I I need you to get up off the mat and walk forward with me. Hebrews 3.13, it says this, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Some of us need that type of encouragement daily. It's, it's, it's the day that we live in. 
Man, I, I, need, I need constant encouragement, exhortation in my life. As long as it's called today, as long as we're walking this earth, until I go home to be with my Jesus, I need people in my life who can encourage me and rally around me and push me forward, not drag me backwards. I love Blake Harkup. He, he made a comment earlier uh, with, our, with the team before you guys got here. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a team that prays over every one of these seats before you get here. They worship and pray for you. And so Blake's encouraging them and exhorting them. And what he says is, uh, Chris Dowd is here today, and he knew me before you all knew me. And I did. And, ooh. I don't know if God wants me to encourage him in this moment or humble him in this moment, but I'm trying to walk a line here. And if you think I knew some things, Kelsey really knows some. So Kelsey and I have decided not to explain a lot of detail in this moment, but just know at some point we were excited as Bedrock in Bedford and in Bedrock in Lynchburg to look at Blake, and he goes, I think... God's called me to go plant back home in Sarasota, Florida. And there may have been a day when we would have said, I don't think so, not yet, bro, not yet. Are you ready to, what it says, give some men and array them in battle? Are you ready to be in charge and array them against the enemy in Sarasota, Florida? And I'll never forget the day, and that we, we went through some, some discussions on that. I'll never forget the day when we looked at him and went, you ready, bro? Go get it right now. Move and do not hesitate to move back home to Sarasota and reach them with the gospel. He has a burden for this community. He has a burden for you for you to understand the truth of the gospel. And uh, he's ready. And there have been some battles that we didn't know were coming. God did. But he was more ready for those things, having spent some season going through some things. But it was an amazing day to look at him and go, okay, brother, we're going to array you against. Go that way and go get it. I need people like that in my life. Maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you need to hear this. You are more than your mistakes. You say, I got enemy behind me. I'm sure you do. So do I. Yeah, I've made my share poor choices. And you say, yeah, but I got some stuff in front of me that's pretty, pretty rough too. I'm sure you do. Maybe you just needed somebody to fly down from Bedford, Virginia to tell you you have unlimited potential if you'll allow God to lead you forward. Your identity can be found in Christ, not in your past mistakes. And God can change that today for you without question. The flip side of that coin is maybe you know somebody that needs to hear you got this. There's a phrase I've learned here at Bedrock Sarasota that is love the person in front of you. Maybe you know somebody that you need to take out to coffee this week, that you need to spend some time relationally with and go, listen to me, I know it's tough. I know what's behind you looks rough and what's in front of you looks rough, but listen to me. You're not alone. I will walk with you and you got this. Hang in there. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Especially as long as it's called today, we have a chance 
to encourage somebody. Go love on somebody. Believe in somebody. There's a great four-letter phrase, I see in you, that we need to use. I see in you the potential for this. Well, I don't see it. I know you don't. I know you don't. God sees it, and I'm here to tell you I see it now in you. I see in Bedrock, Sarasota, unlimited potential to reach this community. I see it now. It's not a Zoom call. I'm here, but I see it. Bedrock Network believes in you, 100%. Secondly, I need someone who watches my back. Oh, here we go. I not only need somebody that believes in me, I need somebody that watches my back. Someone who says to me, you're not alone. Notice what happens next in verse 11. He said, now this is Joab. This is the captain of the army. This is David's guy. He says, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you come help me. If the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will come help you. I can't imagine a better verse for accountability than right here in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I'm about to go get it. You're, you can go get it. We believe in each other. It's going to be awesome. But listen, I'm also aware of the fact that I might mess this thing up. And I need somebody watching me. So I'm going to go this way in battle. You go this way in battle. But I'm going to keep an eye on you. And I don't know how you fight while keeping an eye on somebody, but that's like the, the idea here. It's like, wait a second. Let's get back to back and let's, let's go. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Are you good? Not so much. Okay. And I've got somebody who says, I'm walking with you. You're not alone. You can do this, but listen, you're not alone in this. I've got your back. I'm going to watch you. And if you stumble, which welcome to life in the flesh, stumbling is a part of life. But to have people around you to help hold you accountable and build you back up when you do make a mistake, that's community. And I couldn't imagine trying to navigate this life without that around me. I need that. Notice what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Back to the one another's of the New Testament. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you have somebody that's bearing your burdens with you? That's walking with, that has your back? Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Walking with is messy ministry because we get some things wrong sometimes. But I couldn't imagine trying to navigate this life without people around me that are with me when I begin to lose some battles. I was um, in North Carolina doing college ministry before we planted Bedrock. So 14 years ago, I was in North Carolina doing college ministry. Loved it. I had a guy in my life, his name was Chris Byers, accountability partner for me. It was Joab and Abishai, but it was Chris and Chris, Dowd and Byers. And we watched each other's back. My biggest temptation um, then and still is today is that I will work at the expense of my family. I'll confess that to you. I have to, I have, to have people watch me. My, people say, you got a good work ethic. It can get unhealthy. And so I have to have people watching me. Chris Byers is one of those guys. He calls me one night. It's like 7 o'clock. Uh, I was working in a church in Durham, North Carolina. I'm in the church building. He says, hey, bro, what you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just making some copies. He goes, making some copies? What time is it? 
I'm like, uh, it's uh, 7. It's like 6.45. He goes, no, dude, it's 7.05 right now. Yeah, I know. He goes, all right, I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to call you in 10 minutes. I expect to talk to your wife, Jessie. Bye. Click. Oh, good night. I get in the car. I rush home. I get in the door. The phone rings. I'm like, hello? He goes, let me talk to her. I'm like, all right, here you go. He goes, hey, Jesse, this is Chris. Oh, hey, Chris. Is he home? Yeah. All right, love you guys. Bye. That was it. She goes, welcome home. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. I needed people in my life who watch my back when I get a little away from where I need to be. Who's allowed to get up in your business? Can I ask you that? Who holds your feet to the fire? Who are you okay with looking at you and going, you might be wrong? Because here's how we in our flesh naturally handle this. If we're not feeling good, if we got obstacles behind and in front, we will seek after people who will massage and rub and say, oh, girl, you're right. Mm, Yes. Oh, he is so stupid. Yes, you are so right, girl. You want the yes, girl, you are right in your life. And dudes are just like, bro, don't even worry about it. Let's go watch the game. Like, you, thank you. I mean, she's always like, nag, nag, nag. I know, bro. Let's go get some wings, man. Don't even worry about it. That's where we run to. You know what we don't run to? Is the dude that looks at you and goes, she did what? Oh, yeah, she's right. You're wrong, bro. We're supposed to go get wings. We ain't getting wings because you are not good. You need to go home and kiss your wife. In fact, you need to stop and get some flowers on your way because you have messed it up, bro. Who is that for you? Stop running to people who will continue to encourage you to be disobedient. I need people in my life who have my back. Maybe somebody right now you know needs you to have theirs. They messed up. How are you going to minister to your friend, your family member, your coworker, who's in a rough spot? You know they're outside of what God would say, and you struggle to open your mouth because it's, it might impact your friendship with that person. I get it. That's a hard conversation. Nobody likes confrontation. It doesn't have to be confrontational. It can be very, very loving. I got your back, and I need you to have mine when I mess up. You notice how he starts? If I mess up, can you watch me? And then I'll get yours. You know how easy it is to have a difficult conversation when you start off with, you know what, I'm just as weak. I need you to help me out because I've made some mistakes. And here's what I'm noticing about you. I love you, but. Number three, not only do I need someone that believes in me and someone that watches my back and says you're not alone, I'm with you. But thirdly, I need someone who points me to God. I need people in my life who are making sure that I'm looking up. Notice what he says next. Be of good courage and let us be courageous. Why? For our people and for the cities of our God. Bedrock Sarasota needs you to be obedient to this third point. Sarasota needs you to be obedient at this point. For our people and for the city. This is what he says. May the Lord do what seems good to him. So in the moment, men are going to man up. This is the, they're, they're manning up. This is, the, this is the Ray Lewis halftime speech, Baltimore Ravens. This is the, all right, guys, here we got, I mean, we got army this way. We got army this way. You take half of them and go that way. I'm going to go this way. You watch me. I'm going to watch you. Let's have good courage. Woo. And, oh, by the way, God's in charge. 
At the end of the day, my brother Abishai, God's going to do whatever God seems good to do. So no matter what's about to go down, no matter what's about to happen, God is still sovereign, and He's sovereignly good. He's going to do whatever seems good to Him. And by the way, if it seems good to Him, it's because it's good. No matter what happens, my brother, God's in charge. He's sovereignly good. And I want to remind us of that before we pick out the sword and get at it. Hebrews 10, great one another passage for us today. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, look at this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? That sounds difficult. Because he who promised is faithful. How can I hold fast without wavering? Because God's faithful. We're, we struggle. He doesn't. And then he says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another, be of good courage, to love and good works. How? Not neglecting to meet together, not neglecting community, as is the habit of some, but doing what? Encouraging one another and all the more as you say the day drawing near. Guys, we need community to keep us focused in on the vision and the goal of God getting glory in my life, in this church, and in this city. And so what he says is, we need to do that with one another. My very first mission trip was to Costa Rica. I was a Liberty student, and uh, I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. I'd never preached before in my life. And, uh, well, that's not true. I had preached in my youth group, but nobody would call that preaching. It was like, mm, okay. So now I'm a Liberty student. Now I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And I go down to Costa Rica, and uh, we're getting ready to go to worship. And the pastor of the church in, in Costa Rica, uh, in the Maleku Indian tribes, we're working with Maleku Indians, he looks at me through a translator and says, you preach tonight. I'm like, I preach what? Huh, what? Do what? Yeah, you preach. Y- yes, sir. <sighs> so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to preach. So I get up there, and I preach something, okay? And in this moment... I give this invitation. I'm like, if anybody made any sense of what I just said and you actually want that, then I guess you're supposed to come forward and pray or something. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, people line up. It's like this Holy Spirit moment where God's just like, right, it's not about you, big boy. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Stand up there and preach the Word of God and let me do what I do. And it just happens. And all of a sudden, I get in this moment where I'm like, I'm the Costa Rican Billy Graham. Like, this is, like, this is moment where I'm like, and then I get overwhelmed. I start crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do with all these people. What is going on here? I don't know how to preach. I did this. Now there's people. What am I supposed to say to them? I don't speak Spanish. This is, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. And this very humble, quiet, Maleku Indian village pastor comes up to me with a translator. He says, basically, in Spanish, roughly translated, relax. I don't know what the Spanish word for relax is, but basically he was like, chill, bro. Okay? Relax. God did that, and God's going to handle this. He shares with me Isaiah 41.10. And this idea that the Lord my God is with me. His righteous right hand is going to hold me up. I will be with you. Do not fear, for I am your God. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. I will strengthen you with my righteous right hand. There's this moment. And he immediately goes, stop looking at you and look here. And I needed that moment. And one by one, we met. The way they do it there is it's one by one. They will, they will be here all night. Each one of them wants to talk to you. 
and one by one. You just pray, and you deal, and you talk, and you share. And he's like, this ain't about you. This moment's not about you. And I had to learn that early in my ministry, and I still have to remind myself of that often. This is, this is a dangerous position. But I need people in my life that point me to God. What about you? Do you surround yourself with people who will lead you to the rock that's higher than you? Are you the kind of person that would point somebody to Jesus? Would you be quick to share a verse of Scripture versus your own opinion? There's, there's a question. Are you pointing them to what you think is right for them or what God says about what's right for them? And do you have people in your life who are doing that for you? God is sovereignly good and he loves you, church. And in this moment, you see what happens next. Verses 13 and 14, so Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians and they fled before him. When you do it God's way, the enemy flees before you. If you don't, get ready for battle. They didn't have to lift a sword because they were together. That God would get glory in this moment for our people and for our cities. And God just blessed it. There was victory for both. Today, you know how you get victory in whatever's going on? Same way. You have to look to God for your hope. I'm going to ask the our worship team um, in this moment to come and to lead us in a, in, a, in a biblical community moment. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't have community, I, I, I grabbed this off the website. Can you put this slide up that I think I have last? Look at this slide right here. I didn't develop this. Someone in this room developed this. First of all, good job. Secondly, this is how you get connected to groups here at Bedrock Sarasota. Either online or at the table back in the back. I saw it on the way in. Join one of our groups. They have small groups that meet. Men's group. I, I, saw, I met the men's group leader today. These groups exist not just because that's what churches are supposed to do, but because this church believes in community and helping you to find it. Because you and I both need people in our lives who believe in us, who will encourage us, who will walk with us and keep us accountable and have our backs, and point us to God, to what the Bible says, to, as we try to navigate whatever's going on in 2021. Man, I need people in my life to help me get it right. So I don't know where this message finds you, but I pray it finds you, maybe with an increased awareness, and maybe even now a little bit of a tug towards all that you just said, I don't have, but I want. How do I get it? Bedrock Sarasota exists to help connect you to God in fellowship and community with him that only comes through Jesus and to community with each other. It's something that this message, by the way, is something we preached when Bedrock first started 13 years ago in Bedford, Virginia. This outline comes from a message I preached 13 years ago. This is how Bedrock started. It's not just a church with a small group system, it's a church of small groups. People in community. We would much rather move you from sitting in rows to sitting in circles all day long. Because discipleship best happens, it's best fostered in the context of community. 
Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.